You are listening to Episode 6 of Daughters on Fire. In today's episode, we will be continuing with our coronavirus coverage in our Is It Normal segment. So Robin and I are going to talk about caregiving during a crisis. And while we are all in uncharted waters with the coronavirus or COVID-19, caregiving through a crisis is very common. So we are going to take, um, you know, what we know and tips about managing a crisis with caregiving and apply it to today's current situation. And then we are also going to use today's episode to talk about how we can maybe use this time as a wake-up call to plan for future situations. Um, You know, you may not feel like you're totally prepared for today. Um, You may also not be dealing with a total meltdown crisis today, but this is a universal wake-up call of what can we do to make sure we're ready for what's around the corner. Are you stressed, burned out, and looking for answers as you care for an aging parent? If you are, this podcast is for you. Here you will receive actionable advice from seasoned professionals, validation and compassion for the incredibly tough job you are doing, and most importantly, supportive love from a community of like-minded warriors. You're not alone. Join this powerful community as we support you on your complicated journey and help you transform into an empowered and calmer caregiver. Alrighty, we are back with Rob and Eric for another segment of Is It Normal? And we don't normally date um, our our episodes just because what we talk about is universal and it can be happening at any time and any place on the caregiving journey. However, it is March 26, 2020 here in Nashville, Tennessee, and we are right in the middle of the coronavirus. So for this segment of Is It Normal? We're going to bridge... Um, evergreen and timely information into our episode. And so um, the first question off the bat is, is coronavirus normal? And um, categorically, that would be no, right, Robin? Absolutely not. (laughs) This is not normal. This is um, unprecedented, interesting times um, of our world in total disruption. And I know many of you caregivers out there are sorting through this. We're all going through it a little blindly because we don't know, um, you know, what is ahead in the days and weeks ahead. Um, so, you know, we're going to speak to that a little bit on some tips that we have heard um, that have been passed along um, that you all may not have been aware of specifically. <coughs> Alzheimer's Association, and I promise Robin does not have it, but luckily <laughs> can't get it through a podcast. <laughs> Uh, and if she would, if she did have it, she'd probably still be on the airwaves with me, right? <coughs> spread great information um, and not the virus. So, yeah, that's uh, right. And I am home alone, so I'm not spreading anything. No, it's it, truly it, allergies. Sorry, folks. <laughs> I know. Well, that's another thing. It's like what's normal right now are allergies. And so it, it's just like worlds colliding. Normal and abnormal are colliding. And how do we make sense of all of it? So we do have some tips from the Alzheimer's Association that we will be sharing with you today. But also what we do know And what we have helped families with on the caregiving journey is how to prepare and how to get through a crisis. And if there ever was a situation right now, it's that we are in crisis management mode. Um, And, you know, having the right people in place during a crisis is critical. So we're going to talk to you about that and planning on who, you know, what 
plans you have in place. So if you are sitting there and everything seems kind of calm for you right now, um, this is a perfect time to just think about crisis planning. So welcome, Robin. I'm glad you're back. You're frozen on my screen, but the world, is, the world is only is only hearing us right now. So, um, well, yeah. you know, and I, I think I want to follow up with your, you know, this is not normal. None of us know what we're doing, but that's very similar to caregiving, isn't it, Melissa? It's just um, we go through and we were sort of going through it blindly and this is how, how we are dealing with the coronavirus and nobody has prepared. And that's what we find, you know, if we lived in a perfect world, especially for us, um, all the families that we worked with would have a, a plan B and ready to go. But typically crisis as in this one as well, doesn't come when we want it to. It always comes at Friday afternoon at three o'clock when everything's shutting down. And what do you do now? <laughs> So that's kind of where we are. We're at the 10th hour and um, everybody's scrambling to find what works best and um, where to go from there. I do think we need to address a little bit the um, staying at home and being away from your loved ones if they are in facilities. And, you know, that's not normal. But how do you handle that? Um, I'm going to share a story. I was reading through some of these tips and we see all over social media and TV. Now the people that are going to visit their loved ones and you see them through the window and the little man that came out and said, happy anniversary to his wife and things like that. Um, I have a friend whose mother is in a dementia unit and actually um, the administration was very upset that the other daughter, her sister and niece came by and looked in the window and they felt like that was very confusing to her mom so above and beyond everything um check with the facilities that your loved one is in and make sure what their policies are what their rules are that may have been more disturbing for her i don't know it didn't appear to be but the administration um later came back and said we would have rather you not have done that or they probably would have rather had been a part of the conversation on the front end and known what to expect well you that's know, true it, and so you bring you had said something in one of our first episodes together is if you've heard one story of caregiving you've heard one story of caregiving which is true in these crisis moments is that what's what works for one family and is a really wonderful situation a husband being able to say happy anniversary might be um you know might not translate well to somebody in memory care with people at their window you know that are their daughters but might seem like strangers at a window but it also, and that may have been where the administration was coming from, like they were worried about that and it's not normal and they are trying to deal with their new normal. But then the daughters may have felt like, well, no, mom mom um, does have dementia, but she recognized us and we were just saying hi at the window. It was no d- big deal. There's just so many different perceptions and experiences going on right now that I think communication is is huge. So I love that you bring up. Um, to talk to the facilities, to communicate with them, to find out where they're coming from, what their recommendations are, and to give yourself a voice and saying, I respect that. Here's how I really want to engage with my, my loved one right now. Can we have, like, can we find some common ground here? Uh, and I had a previous episode, um, <coughs> I think it was maybe the one 
before this or two before this, maybe around the five episode with Jody Jackson, a registered nurse and president of um, the Middle Tennessee Lifelinks.care. And she talks specifically about having those point person, that point person in the facility to help advocate for your loved one. So that's a good one to go to. And you bring up some really good points, Robin, that we had not talked about in that episode. Um, and that's just finding out from the facilities um, what their preferences are right now. I just think we, we're all in this together and we, we, we just don't know. Um, back to talking about preparation, I think one of the things, too, that some of the folks have been able to FaceTime if, if their loved one has that capability, and that may be something that along the way we thought, oh, they don't need that, they're in a facility, or um, mom would never be able to work that, and they may have a caregiver at home with them. So it might be one of your preparations of having some way that you can video chat with um, your loved one normally, but also um, so much more in a crisis that they do need to be assured that you just haven't left them and that you are around and that this, I I believe that it's probably harder for them to understand um, the whole quarantine issue and they don't have it. So why do they have to go through it? So um, that's just a little bit of preparation, thinking ahead for the future. Or even if if you have, if you have a cold and can't go, it's not just the coronavirus. Right, right, right. This is, um, a pandemic, but illness is not abnormal, you know? So if you are a caregiver that all of a sudden, for whatever reason, you're sick, um, you know, you have whatever that's pulling you away from your loved one that you can't see them. This is great preparation for, for the minor issues that we deal with that come. And another point to this is that you, you, we often think we don't need it right now, but with just aging in general, getting, when you get older, getting used to something and becoming more familiar and utilizing it is the key to how well it functions when you need it most. And that's even more so the case with dementias. Um, You know, if they, if they become used to something and it's a routine and a pattern and something that they do consistently, then it's, you know, in the middle of a crisis, you're not introducing something to them that they're not going to be able to even understand, react to, engage with. So if you want this, if you want FaceTime, if you want, you know, tablets and the staff and all of that to be something that you can utilize now, for for some people, it may be a little too late and it may be something that they can't just adopt right now in the middle of a crisis. But for you all out there who are not in that, Um, And you can adopt those practices now, or you can start to, you know, get grandma and grandpa, that grand pad that I've seen advertised out there (laughs) and, and start to um, utilize other ways of communication, then do it now, do it now, go buy someone you love a a tablet and start utilizing that um, as a way of communication because um, from, from caregiving from afar to getting sick it's an alternative. It doesn't replace face-to-face contact. And when this all gets back to normal, we're going to be 
flooding the world of mass community, <laughs> you know, the, the churches, the restaurants, the facilities, and we're going to be loving and hugging on one another again. Um, but don't forget these tools that are out there that, that can be helpful in a crisis. So, I like what you're saying. If, if there's a silver lining to um, the coronavirus, it's teaching us to prepare for the future. And mm-hmm. um, so often, I think, in most families, there's one caregiver. There, there's your lead caregiver. And to Melissa's point, if that person gets sick, then what do you do? They have all the information. They know the doctors, the pharmacy, different things, or heaven forbid, they pass away. Mm-hmm. So there's always the the plan B needs to be in place. Somebody else needs to know the information. Um, and I think that also helps alleviate some of the stress and the guilt for that primary caregiver because when you're the only one that knows anything, you feel as though you can't get sick. You can't, these things can't happen. So you tend to push on. You don't maybe not go to the doctor. You may do other things. So, um, I think our big things that we talk about a lot are education and planning. That's that's huge, and this is a great opportunity as um, to take the time to sit down and and make a plan and and call another family member, or it doesn't even have to be a family member. It can be a care manager or a friend or somebody to um, share the information that you'll be prepared in the next crisis. You know, Robin, um, I have a thought as to one way that there may be a barrier for people doing that. Do you think that people hesitate to do that proactively because they think if they pull in the other family members or outsiders that they're going to get pushback for how they're caring for that loved one and they'd rather keep it close to their chest because all those morning Monday morning quarterbacking, you should be doing it this way. You should be doing it that way <laughs> can be a real pain in the derriere. Um, and Absolutely. So if, if, yeah. So if you're like, here's everything that I'm doing. And then the people who have access to that may then start to pick it apart. Do you think that could be a downfall to, to that strategy? Absolutely. And I, I say I was guilty of that. You know, I knew what I was doing. I knew what I wanted to do. I knew how I wanted to do it. And um, I didn't want anybody else's opinion because they would mess it up and probably make more work for me. Mm-hmm. Because as you said, the quarterbacking, they love to tell you what to do, but they're not typically willing to help. Yes, um, all the ideas and none of the footwork, right? Right, right. So, yeah, I, I think that is a huge part of it. Um, also, it can be a little overwhelming because... Even with anything, starting a new job, uh, somebody training you, things are just in our head as we continue to gain experience and do things. And it's hard sometimes to translate that to somebody else. So it's just easier not to. It's easier not to take that time and go on. I know it. I'll handle it. Um, But then that tends to be. You're the only one. Next. Percent, I think a lot of. Well, and then again, um, I'm kind of thinking this through. Uh, some of the the pitfalls are that when somebody else comes in, and I've been on this side of things where somebody's like, "I need your help," or you know, family and parents are like, "Well, we're going to need you to take this over." And I had this conversation 
um, with my parents not too long ago, my, my dad has like a whole system in place and for, and he wants me to be able to understand his system, but it's his system and it works for him and it makes sense. And, and so I kind of had to say, I, I respect that. I appreciate it. I'm glad I know where to go, but when it comes to me being involved, it's going to have to become my system. You know, there, that's there's, great. I love that. It, and so with that, it's like, there's going to be some letting go. And that's where the cooperation and collaboration is that it can't just be one person's way, my way or the highway, because then you're going to, nobody else is going to want to get on board with you. And so I think that's why caregivers are like, I really, this is working for me. This works great. Um, but in a crisis, if they hand it over, they have to let go of it being their way and saying like, I like now I can't anymore. And that's why it really sometimes takes a major illness or death for the for it to then transform into how somebody else is going to do it and it's not the way that person would have ever done it but is it still going to provide the care and the love and support that the loved one needs yeah probably maybe not in all cases but probably so that's that's another hard part of it well and i think that we all have to stop and ask ourselves as caregivers would in my case mom would this be the steps mom would take? Would she, um, and I can't think right off the top of my head right now, but as far as wh what I'm doing is what she would, would honor her. Yeah. Would she also make this decision? She may make it a different way, mm -hmm. but would she make this decision? So the end result is that you're still honoring them and giving them the dignity of their plan, but you may have a different way of doing it. You know, with um, my mom, she didn't do technology. So where she was fine for me to order things for her tech through technology, but did not want that information, her information put out there. I couldn't use her card. I had to use my card, things like that. Mm -hmm. So yeah. we got the end result. We just did it a different way. Instead of going to the store to get it, I would order it. And, you know, we worked it out. So it is finding different ways to get the same end result. Yeah. And a lot of compromise. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes, you know, caregiving, like you said, it's when you have a, a child as a parent, when you have a child and you're trying to teach them to tie their shoes, sometimes it's just easier to get those shoes on, tie them up and get them going. You know, it's like, oh my gosh, it, collaboration and teaching and handing off to somebody else can be a lot more effort in the short term. Um, but in the long term, it, it means you're not shouldering the burden completely by yourself. Which is the key. And that's yeah. the key to healthy caregiving. Absolutely. Um, let's just go over a couple of these things on the list of, um, as we all know, Avoid people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Wash your hands. Stay home if you're sick. Um, cover your cough and sneeze with a tissue and then throw the tissue away. Disinfect mm -hmm. frequently. Um, always wash your hands with soap and water. Always use the hand sanitizer. So those type things. But, so, um, Robin, I'm going to jump in and tell you of something I saw the other day from a local a physician, he was an eye doctor, but um, he, I guess, is in communication. He's an international 
doctor and he's in communication with doctors that are in other countries. And one of the things he says that um, like in China and maybe uh, South Korea that they're doing that we're not doing culturally that they do in these types of situations is wear masks. Now, I know that's very controversial because right now masks are in short supply. So if you walked out wearing a mask, you may get some judgment from others that why are you wearing that mask and not, you know, donating it to the hospitals. But homemade masks, um, you know, don't worry about the, the public opinion. If you were to walk into a place and you had you know, a, a, a fabric mask that you make on in a grocery store. It's, it's, it's not a perfect barrier, but it's a lot safer, he was saying, um, than, you know, going without a mask. And it just kind of reminds you not to touch your face. That's another thing they're saying. The masks um, will stop you from having that face, hand-face contact. So I thought that was kind of interesting as well. Yeah, I like that. I never thought about it that way because it, automatically I know you all are touching your faces right now because Melissa told you not to. <laughs> I touch my face all the time. I like I'll too. sit with my elbow on it. a chair and like, like hold my face up yes. with my hand. I don't think my head would stand up straight if I didn't like to touch it. Um, it's hard. Some of the other tips are basically if you're caring for somebody at home and, you know, with dementia patients, you often have to repeat. So it may be a lot of demonstration for them of how to wash their hands and, and how long to wash their hands, that type thing, and the reminding of them. But some of these other ideas, we well, we've talked about alternative plans should something happen. Um, and yeah, I know some of the caregivers, some are... The, the caregivers are still coming in. I know I have one family that they had a girl that also worked in a facility. So they asked that that girl not come until after this is taken care of because of higher risk. So there's those type things you can look into and, and check with um, the caregiving agencies. They may send an alternative or, or however you need to work that out. Um, one of the things I liked is talk to the pharmacist or the doctor about filling prescriptions for a longer length of time. And I know several of the pharmacies are doing that now. And I think that's just good. It limits the trips out um, mm -hmm. that could bring anything back in. So there's little tips here and there that definitely um, are helpful. I really think a lot of it's common sense. And it's just a few things you may not um, think about. But the one I think that we, we feel the most um, urgent is that secondary plan of if something happens, what do you do? Yeah, yeah. And this is if you have downtime and you're at home, um, those secondary plans for a crisis, which for caregiving, there will be a crisis. And it's not like sit back and, and worry about the crisis. It's not trying to bubble wrap your loved one. It's not trying to avoid or plan, you know, 1500 plan B's, right? It's know where you're going to go and who you're going to seek for answers and support. And that's another great thing to do now is maybe start networking and calling and just putting feelers out there. You know, if you thought, well, maybe caregiving in the home is something coming down the pike, call some places and just say, look, I want to get information from you. I want to know how are you dealing with this virus? What precautions are you taking? That may be a really good mark of how well they're managed if they can speak to you easily and say this is what we're doing we have people available and you connect with them and you like them it may not be that you hire them tomorrow and i know some people avoid 
those calls to whether it's facilities or um, non-medical companies because they're worried they're going to get a hard sale. You know, don't worry about that. Just say, I'm, I want to be prepared and I would like to know more about who you are and what you do. Then when the time comes, if that's the company you want to go with, then you can call them up and say, you know, you kind of have that networking relationship established. S- same thing with facilities. Facilities aren't open right now. So this is after this crisis, but something to keep in mind. If you think you're going to move to a facility at some point in time, go look at them now. You know, well, again, not yeah. now. Well, not now. <laughs> go take their but virtual But you can tours. ask for their brochures and their right, information. Right, their brochures, exactly. Uh, go, go take a virtual tour, maybe online. Not now, but again, this is something that people <laughs> Melissa Burton said. <laughs> Just drop in. They love those surprise visits. <laughs> Ask to eat in their dining room. <clears throat> well, and actually, I think it's also just as just simple as maybe um, writing down some phone numbers. Here's the mm-hmm. doctor's numbers, things that you can keep if you have to hand that off to somebody. Because, you know, if you're not feeling well, you're not thinking about, oh, go here and get this number and that number. So if you put it in a central location just to have, you can hand off to somebody. It's right, very right, easy right. to do. Right. If, if your loved one is at home and they have a caregiving company come in, make sure everybody in the family knows who that caregiving company is and their phone number, right? Right. And, well, and just uh, to tag on to your caregiving company conversation, <clears throat> I often suggest with to my families that you may not be ready right now, but if there is a crisis and you need to call a caregiving company, they have to come out and do an assessment and do different things. So if you've already had those meetings and have set up that relationship like Melissa was talking about, and now you're in crisis mode, they have your information. They know what you need. They know where you live, all your information. And it's a call to say, hey, I need to activate and have caregivers now. So you've done the paperwork. You've done the background it, um work for somebody to come in and you're not having to wait another 48 hours or so till somebody can come out and meet with you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then when you're in the middle of a crisis, um, again, you don't have to know every step you're going to take beforehand. You just need to know who to call. So if you're in an accident, you need to know that you you know, if you're driving, you're in an accident and you're hurt, you call 911. Know who you're going to call in those emergency situations. If it's not 911, if it's, you know, um, I am out of town and mom fell at a facility, you know, who would you call as, as your backup when you go uh, on trips and stuff? Or, um, and there's companies out there that can help with those sort of things. Um, and again, our website and our Facebook group are great forums. Facebook groups for caregivers are great forums. The Aging Life Care Association.org is care managers across the nation that are great resources. Is it, what's the um, aginglifecare.org? Is that the website, Robin? Yes, it is. And we can, again, um, So plugging in with us and staying connected on our other platforms outside this podcast are a great way to stay connected with resources. So there's a lot out there. You don't need to know all of it. Just know your key resources to go to and how to tell your loved ones about those key resources in case they you have to hand off to them. Right. And you can also go to our website, 
and ask a question. Yes, the website. Um, this is, again, um, full service online support. <laughs> so whether it's the <laughs> website, the podcast, or the Facebook group, it, we want to interact with you all. Uh, so engage with us. Um, we are not just these voices in the sky that came to preach to you. <laughs> we want to engage with you personally. To share our knowledge. <laughs> right. <laughs> and experience. We can get preachy, though. <laughs> we won't get preachy. Not here. Not preachy. It's hard enough. You don't need to be preached to, right? That's right. But by golly, wash your hands. <laughs> That's right. Everybody, wash your hands while you're singing happy birthday. That's right. That's right. All right. Well... Great to talk with you, Robin, and share some of this information. We are all going to get through this uh, if we lean on each other and um, support each other. So all you daughters better people. Yes, we will. We will. All right. Great. Thanks, Robin. Take care. Bye. Bye. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and ask that you subscribe to this podcast. If you find this podcast helpful, please leave a review so we can reach more women like you. You are not alone on your journey, and the Fire Tribe is here to support you. Check us out at DaughtersOnFire.com and our Facebook group for more support and resources. Until next time, remember, you are the fire that fuels the engine of life.